much. Just keep singing. Come on. All right, you guys can have a seat. Um, I'm going to take my wallet out and put it right here. Don't go stealing an empty wallet now, okay? It's just going to be sitting right there. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be gone for the next couple weeks. And just to let you know who's going to be filling in preaching for me, um, i got a good friend named uh, Vanessa Alvarez who is going to be preaching uh, next Sunday. Really excited for her to get to share the space with you guys. Uh, Eric and I have been, both been friends with her for a minute. Uh, and then the week after that, uh, a lady named Lori McCrum. She was uh, my mentor for many years, actually, at uh, Fairhaven Church. She's my boss also and still a very good friend. Uh, she's going to be bringing the word then, too. So, uh, But today, you know, the past two weeks, I've done the um, childhood photos of myself. And I think we just got to go three for three. So here's another photo of me, little Jay. As a younger individual, um, that's, that's my little brother, Turner. Um, there's actually a video of this that is the most awkwardly beautiful thing in the world because I didn't want to hold him, but my mom made me, so I'm just like kind of smiling like that. Um, so that's an awkward picture of me when I was like six. And let's just say this. I really just felt like I needed to go three for three because I've shown you childhood photos of myself the last two weeks. But uh, I guess if this is your first time in a church gathering or you haven't been back in a while... Um, that little awkward boy still lives in me. And so if that makes you feel comfortable, then it's worth showing you that this is a group of really weird people. And so um, me being up on a 20-foot screen in front of all of you hopefully makes some of you feel welcome. So, yeah, no more childhood photos from me for a while. Um, yeah, so when I started thinking of the... Uh, we, I know what's coming up in our sermon series for a while. Um, I'm on the preaching team that helps develop it. But this week is like, oh, it's on love. Sweet. Easy, right? Uh, love, you, we talk about that all the time. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Bada bing, bada boom. It's love. No big deal, right? You just, you just go and you talk about love. Um, until you actually have to start planning to talk about love. Then it's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of different things you could talk about here, right? Um, as is any, in, in, in any case. The more I thought about love and the hundred million different ways that this subject could go, this sermon became not so easy peasy, lemon squeezy to prepare. Uh, It became difficult, if you will. So um, we are talking about love today. And it's, isn't it like the clearest and the most unclear thing in the entire universe? (laughs) It's, it's an amazing thing. You, you suffer without it, but you also kind of suffer with it. <laughs> it's, it's love. It's this beautiful, complex, hard thing. We, we all kind of nod our heads when anyone says, yeah, but love is the highest thing. We all agree on it, right? But it's, it's tricky. My question today is certainly, like, what is love? Um, Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> what is love? But also, um, what... Oh, wow. That was a nice little delay there. Um, what, what is the deepest kind of love? There, you have so many questions about it, right? Um, does the difficulty of what it takes to love another person increase the value of it? These are some of the things that I just ponder about love. Is there a more noble version of love when you actually love somebody who hates you? You know, because it's kind of, it's a little easier to love somebody you know loves you, but loving your enemy, that... That feels a little bit differently, but is love just a feeling or does it need to be proved by action? And you are correctly thinking that's more than one question. There's many questions when it comes to love. 
And so, again, today, love goes 100 million different ways. And we've also established that it's not so easy-peasy to talk about. But uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read some words of what Jesus said and then take a little tour of some other places in the Bible that talked about love. And then we're going to make a list of a few things about love. The most basic title to a sermon ever. But that's where we're going to go. So let me pray and we'll jump into Matthew 22. Lord, we thank you for your love. Um, Thank you that uh, all of humanity has this kind of rumor of love in our souls that we know we're meant for it. And we search for it in a billion different ways too. Um, And you kind of planted that idea in our hearts, in in our entire beings, that love is the thing that we should aim towards and draw towards and, and actually the thing that we were made from. So uh, I pray that as I talk today again about something that is hard and easy to talk about, that it will be your words that speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, we're kind of continuing uh, the story where we left off, and I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 22. Uh, verse 34. <laughs> yeah, nice hustle. Nice, like, pretend run. I like that. You know when you, like, do this and you're not moving that fast? That's great. I would have done the same thing. That's good. It's good, DeMarco. Okay, uh, verse 34 of, here we go. Um, hearing this, Jesus, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. So, again, these, Jesus is in the final week before his crucifixion and then resurrection three days after that. And uh, this kind of clump of stories is these religious groups that were really trying to catch Jesus uh, up in his words, trip him up in his words so that they could find a way to silence his voice and eventually kill him, which they did, but didn't work to silence his voice. Actually amplified it. That's all a subnote. Um, so it says, verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And now there's times when Jesus, well, many times, at most times, When Jesus gets a question, he kind of returns it with a question or with a parable or some sort of riddle. This is not one of those times, which I think is is worth paying attention to, that he answers the question with an answer. And so Jesus replies to their question, which is the greatest commandment in all of the law? He replies, love the Lord your God with your heart and with your soul and with your mind. He's quoting the Shema from the Old Testament, the words of God from way back when God told them to love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, and soul and strength. Uh, And then it says, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Uh, Love your neighbor as yourself. So simple, right? All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So end of sermon. Peace. Kidding, right? But it really, it, it feels that simple. Just love God with everything you got and love people the same way. But we get so confused about what love is in a world that is all really trying to figure that out in a, in a lot of different ways. So we're going to build our list of a few things about love now. The first thing as we look at this passage here is that Jesus talks about loving and God people as something that really requires all of you. So love wants all of you, your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. I actually pray that with my kids every night. Um, That's our prayer. I say, Jesus, I pray for Lincoln's heart, right there, heart, 
Lincoln's mind, Lincoln's body, and Lincoln's spirit. I pray that your love would surround Lincoln like a big hug and that Lincoln will follow Jesus all of the days of his life. Love wants and requires all of you, which is hard because we often want to hold back part of ourselves. That's what makes love such a difficult thing too. First John, see, we're going on a little tour here. First John chapter 4 uh, says this about love. This is how we know that we live in him, talking about Jesus, and he in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent us to be the Savior of the world. I think I'm reading verses that I didn't have in there. Okay, well, I'm getting to that. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. One of the favorite statements in the Bible right here. God is love. Whoever lives, whoever loves, <clears throat> restart. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. There's some key things about love in this description from John, one of Jesus' followers. God is love. God is not like love. God is love, the source and originator of the thing that we are drawn towards called love. It's hard to wrap our heads around, but God is the source from which all love, all true love flows from. He's not similar to it. He is it. Love flows from who God is. It's, it's in his nature. But for us, I love that this passage, it's, it's got so much application. So God is love, yes. But we are so often creatures that are driven by fear. So it's, I can't tell you how many times recently for me that it's been helpful to know that perfect love drives out fear. That's so often a meditation of my heart and should be maybe for all of us when we come in contact with tensions, disagreements, debates, all the divisive things in this world, that's to say that fear does not produce God-like love. Perfect love casts out fear. That's important because our actions in this life so often, probably more often than we even realize, are, are coming from a place of fear. It's so strange that he associates love with fear, that the two are kind of at opposite ends of the spectrum. If you're driven by fear, then you're not going to be really driven by love. You're going to be driven by something else. And it's also important in the same text, and I'm finding more and more important as the older I get, to recognize that God loved us first. That's deep, that God loved us first. Human beings didn't have to reach a certain level of 
goodness before God would choose to love us. That's what the whole biblical story is about, is God going first every time, creating us first, initiating our way back first, giving us new clothes after sin first. God has been loving us first from the very beginning, even in spite of our sin and our corruption and our brokenness and our fear, God has been loving us first from the very beginning. And we get the, the choice, you know, we talk about baptism and the ring and responding to that. We get the choice to respond back to that invitation of love that God has placed before us. God is love. Therefore, God is extending God's self to us first. And we get the choice of responding to that. Um, you know the classic First uh, Corinthians 13 passage, the like, um, I'm not going to read that whole thing to you because you could probably start saying love is patient, love is kind. Um, that stuff's legit. You should read that later. What I want to focus on just for a second here, though, is what, what the Apostle Paul, as he's describing what love is, uh, in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 13, he says, if I... Speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love. I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He's elevating love, uh, just like Jesus did, uh, just like John did, just like all the biblical authors did, that if we don't love, we're just kind of like this. I don't want to hit it too hard because it's, it's morning. Ooh, it doesn't feel good, though. See, I can see you cringe. You don't want to hear it go any louder because it's morning. And if we are a people that believes God is love and he's given us the joy and responsibility of loving God with everything that we got and then loving the world, even our enemies with everything that we got, it should feel a lot less like this. But when we forget to love, that's what it feels like. How about both? I hate to do it, but that's what Christians feel like to a world when we are absent of the love that we say we believe. Sometimes um, we Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, that I wouldn't disown because we get it wrong sometimes, but sometimes we think the best way to love the world is just to convince them that we're right. Especially when you get mixed, we get politics mixed up into it. It's too easy to think that the right kind of policy, and I know that stuff's important, but that, that that would be the thing that convinces the world that God loves them and that Jesus is Lord. But God can't be forced. God can't be mandated. When you try and force it, it feels like this. We have a metaphor that if we're not loving like God loves us with all of the reasons why maybe he shouldn't, then it feels like a resounding gong or a crashing cymbal, which in the right place is pretty good in that song, but what Christians sound like when 
we think that being right is the most important part of our witness. I believe that God is showing us that it is better to love than to be right. Man, we could unpack that one, right? It's better to love than it is to be correct. Better to be kind than it is to be correct. We undercut the goodness of love when we just fight for the label of being correct. And God wants us to sound different than noise that pierces the ears. He wants us to look different. In fact, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, I think I say that every sermon. (laughs) So apparently I have lots of favorite verses, but um, it's Ephesians 2 verse 10, that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's kind of talking about love there, isn't it? We're God's handiwork, created to do what? Good works. Okay, what is good works? According to God, love, love God, love your neighbor. So we're created in Christ Jesus to love which God prepared in advance just for us to do. That's, uh, that's the reason for our existence, is to love God and love people. The word handiwork, this is one of my favorite um, details here. The, that word hand, handiwork in the Greek, uh, original Greek, is poema, which means poem, <laughs> as you would think. So you, we, are a line in God's poem. You are a lyric in his song. That's more what it feels like to love. Love is the song that God created us to sing. Love is more like music to God's ears than a clanging cymbal. Love feels less like this. And maybe a little bit more like This. Our love should feel more like a song that feels good versus a symbol that crashes in our ears that just hurts.
Lord, you created us to be a part of your song, your love song to the world. You sent Jesus to be the lead, the lead singer, the main line in this song. And for as simple as it might be to love, to talk about love, we also know that it's so, so difficult because we're pulled in two different directions. We know you created us for love. Everyone on the planet feels that gravitation. But we also know that there's darkness and brokenness and we feel it. And so sometimes it's easier just to crash a symbol instead. Would you teach us how to love today? Would you help us to hear the song that you're writing? Would you speak to our souls, kind of like we talked about last week with the value of being made in your image and likeness, but that we would see that you love us so much. And you've been loving us first since the beginning. So I pray, Lord, for any of my friends that have heard this simple message about love today, that the thing they will feel in this moment and walk away with is something of a love that sounds more like that song. That you sing over us. That you invite us to sing ourselves. We are fearfully, wonderfully made. We are made from love for love. I pray as we sing this last song together that that truth will be driven deep into our hearts. That nothing in all of creation will convince us that we could be separate from your love because it's just not that weak of a thing. You love us so much, and you know what? We love you. Thank you for being such a good father, a good parent to us. Thank you for sending Jesus to demonstrate that love in a way that we never could have predicted, but now we can see we needed. Spirit, would you speak through this last song about your love?